welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman-Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 37. This week my guest is Valeria Salt. She writes science fiction and she'll be telling us all about her new book Aurora Island which is out um, I think tomorrow actually as this goes to air. Okay so at my desk this week, well at my desk this week you'll be glad to hear that the noise is gone, the bathroom is in fact finally finished and uh, all the other little bits like the curtains, well the blinds have arrived and you know we've got towel rails and all sorts of things. It's just like a it's just like a real bathroom. In fact it feels a lot like a bit of a hotel. I, I can't believe it's um, it's so tidy and neat but anyway we'll see how long that'll last. But anyway that's gone so I've sort of been getting on with my own stuff. I've actually started to write uh, the second book in Midwich Midwich 2, I think I'm going to call it quite simply. So I've started to do that. I did a lot of planning the other day. I think I talked about that and um, I've actually started to actually get into the document and start to write the first couple of chapters. So that's kind of on the back of my mind. But more pressing is the book cover for book one, which I've um, I've had a bit of a fiddle with, but I've kind of started on it, you know, really in earnest this week. And, uh, you know, got the old Photoshop up. I've been going through Shutterstock, which is the what I always use when I need to buy any images. So I've been going through that looking for what you need. And anybody that does their own artwork, you know, book covers and things like that, you'll find, uh, you will all know that the by far the biggest part of the project is looking for the images that you're going to use to manipulate in order to make the book cover that you're going to do. And, uh, and I kind of feel I'd like to buy a font as well. Um, so, you know, that's kind of another thing. Uh, so yeah, so that's kind of today's project actually, it's just kind of think about the font that I want. I kind of know what I'd like it to look like. And um, sometimes that's worse because I think you have a sort of preconceived idea and you're kind of going through looking for something that's in the back of your mind. And I haven't had a, I've had a little go at drawing the font myself. It's not beyond the wit of man that I couldn't actually do a font. It's more really the time and I don't know whether it would look entirely professional. So I'm, you know, if I can find a font that I like, I'm definitely going to, you know, get it off Shutterstock and use it. But um, the jury's still out as to whether I might actually just design the logo for the Midwich or not. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, so that's that. So I've been doing that and that's that's quite a nice job to do. It's been quite hard to find. I, I would like a face on this cover for the midwitch which is about a, an older lady well not an older lady but well yeah a mature a mature woman a woman a lot like myself so a mature woman but it's quite hard to find somebody who is you know older but not but hasn't had their face tweaked if you see what I mean so you know you I want I want a natural looking face on there I don't want somebody who's who's clearly had some uh well, let's put it politely, some some work done. I would like a, a normal looking face, but, you know, a face that I like. So it's been really quite hard to find, you know, a mature woman whose face I like that I can imagine her being the character in my book. So I've been fiddling about with that. And, um, you know, I've gone through several different possibilities, but I think I finally, you know, got myself settled on a particular lady so so that's good so yes I always use Shutterstock for all my um, image work uh, I, I like it as a company I don't think they're overpriced and I think it's much safer than using free sites for this kind of thing I mean I know people do use free sites and I'm not saying you know I'm just saying that I, I personally don't I don't want anything to come back at me so I'm you know I kind of think 
pay your money and uh, take your choice. So that's me. I've been doing the book cover, writing the next book in the series. Had a bit of feedback from my editor, which was quite positive. Uh, she didn't hate it. <laughs> so that's always a that's always a relief. Yeah, so she didn't hate it. Um, and also I've been getting lots of people to sign up for the Midwitch Arc. So if you fancy reading a book about um, an older lady who... Um, uh, turns into a witch in, in midlife and, uh, you know, kind of gets her gets her own back on her rather wayward husband, then, um, you know, give, give it a whirl. You can find, um, oh, anywhere, find me. You'll find links to the Midwitch arc and um, I'd be happy to have you along. Um, definitely would like to have, a, you know, a really good number um, to get that book out there, you know, in a, in a couple of months. So, yeah, if you want to come and get behind me, I'd be pleased to um, pleased to have you. So, so that's me, and um, yeah, that's that's about it, really. Um, clocks have gone um, forward or back, I don't know what, but anyway, the clocks have changed <laughs> over this weekend here in the UK, which is lovely because it gives us a bit of a lighter evening, and I can sort of go walk my dog in the evening, which is really, really nice. I really like that. I like to sort of go for a walk after we've eaten in the evening, and um it just feels like you've got a bit more daylight to play with. So, yeah, although I do find the clock change does sort of make the day run away with you a little bit. So it's a little bit strange for the first couple of days. But apart from that, it's all good. So, yeah. OK, so come on, come and meet Valeria. She's a nice lady. And um, let's see what she's got to say. OK, so on the Words of Pictures podcast this week, my guest is Valeria Salt. And she's got an upcoming book, which is coming out in April. And it's called Aurora Island. So hello, Valeria Salt. How are you? Hello, well, thank you for having me here. Very nice to meet you. I'm very good, thank you. I'm very excited about my um, new release, yeah. Yeah, it's well, it's looking good and it's coming out very soon in April and probably by the time this um, podcast goes out, it will be live and I'll leave some links in the show notes, folks, as usual. Um, so t- tell me all about it. I mean, it looks like it's about the, the Aurora Borealis. Uh, what draws you to write about that and use it in your fiction writing? Well, so it's sort of, yeah, uh, well, it's a sci-fi thriller uh, and it's set in Iceland, in the UK and Iceland. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's prom- what prompted me to write is basically my trip to Iceland in 2017 and also my uh, great love to history, especially to World War II history. So I mixed a bit sort of both things uh, aurora borealis and uh history of world war ii and sci-fi so basically uh what is the story about uh the story about uh, the main character of the story is a young woman she's in her uh, mid-30s early 30s uh andrea sismanowen she lives in london and she was brought by her uh, grandmother who never really told her the truth about her family during the period of story, in, in the story sort of how story goes, the story of your family is actually quite dark. That, for example, your father was uh, a prominent scientist, um, physicist, who studied uh, energy of Aurora Borealis, looking for like an uh, um, alternative source of uh, clean energy. And he found out that actually these Aurora particles, uh, they can provide this um, clean energy. Uh, and he was studying this phenomena uh, in Iceland, where he was killed by members of some neo-Nazi uh, cult called Aurora, Aurora Colony. So, yeah, th- that's why Aurora Island, that's why Aurora Borealis. So Aurora Borealis and its energy is sort of part of the plot. Yeah, because I think, well, I've never actually seen it. I've only seen um, 
a, a very slight thing that we, we sometimes we get, you know, here in England, but not not like the proper thing. Even mm. though I've been to Norway and um, places like that, uh, but but it it is quite. A, I've only seen it on television, but it, it does look very ethereal, and it certainly um, fires the imagination. I think you do kind of. Well, I mean, I know there's scientific explanations for the whole thing, but it. But if you if you're a writer and if you write fiction, I can see how easily you could begin to build a story you know with with that involved in it yeah absolutely lovely um so it's is this your first book well not really uh, i've been writing well in english quite a while since 2015 and i've written a few short stories uh another novella uh, i've written a couple of novels uh and even published them with a small indie press uh, american publisher but it wasn't very successful to be fair I parted my ways with this publisher uh my uh rights uh sort of reverted to me uh and after that uh I just decided to sort of to uh try maybe another ways maybe to put my uh, short stories for example in anthologies or magazines uh which I was quite successful especially during covid times and then uh, I written another book, which is coming out this July with another publisher, with UK publisher called Notodox Press. Mm-hmm. It's also sci-fi, dark thriller, but it's full-length novel. I written Aurora Island uh, earlier. I written it in 2017-2018. Uh, and I reworked it so many times. Uh, it became slightly longer, uh, some more sort of stuff, some more information uh, being added to it. Uh, so, yeah, so it's sort of my first book, which will be published after a long period of time, about three years. But it's not my first book in respect of uh, order of writing it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think most most writers have um, quite a complicated thing about how you know they really write magazine articles and then they write this and they write a bit of this and then you might leave it for a while because life gets in the way and then you come back and then you pick up something and sometimes I think sometimes if you've worked worked on a book and you put it aside when you come back to it you can see more clearly what else you need to do to it and how to bring it out to you know bring it into a professional standard yeah interesting stuff so this time you're um I love the name of your publisher Alien Alien Buddha Press I love the sound of that. They, yes. they look good, and and they they they're good guys. You're getting along well with with them. Yeah, well, uh, I found them as well as you. I found them on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah. we're all on there. We're all on there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's still a great place to uh, talk to writing community yeah. uh, editors. My second edit, um, uh, publisher, Notodoc Press, for my novel, which coming out in July. I also found them on Twitter. Just randomly chatting about uh, writing uh especially writing in the north of england you know uh so uh and the press i also found on uh, twitter by liking somebody else's post you know uh so alien buddha they us based uh they specialize primarily on uh, uh short fiction and non-fiction poetry chapbooks uh, novellas um they also have alien buddha design um, which they publish sort of excerpts from the stories, also poetry, as I say, uh, non-fiction, uh, short fiction, um, yeah. flash fiction. Yeah, it's good. Uh, so what's next for you after after this? You've got these out. What are you working on now? 
Uh, I'm sort of a bit in between projects uh, because uh, I uh, was doing uh, editing uh, of uh, my novel, which is coming out in July. It's called Dive Beyond Eternity. It also features World War II history. Uh, it uh, also features sci-fi. Uh, and I've been working for a long, long time on it. Uh, it's been almost two and a half years then. It went to publisher... Uh, then accepted, then they were sort of coming and uh, bringing more edits to do, you know, so such kind of things. So now I think about writing a, a sequel to Dive Beyond Eternity because I don't think that story is quite finished in respect of uh, how many more things my characters can tell, you know, mm. and how plot can develop. So uh, most likely it will be a um, sequel to Dive Beyond Eternity. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I think it's good to keep up to keep. I think it's good to not. Uh, I think sometimes when you bring something out, you're very um, conscious on, you know, uh, you know, promoting it and doing all the stuff that you need to do to, to you know, get it seen. And and I think sometimes you could it ends up the actual writing gets put aside. And I think it's very important for all of us writers to to keep on with the next project so that you're always you know producing new stuff, because I think that's that's what it's all about, really. Yeah. Yeah, so so it's quite a thing. So you you're published over different different publishers. You you don't you haven't thought about doing independent author stuff. Then does that put you off? Not really, because uh, I'm really uh, stuff. Um, I think that I first of all I can't do self edits. Obviously, I need to uh, employ somebody, which I do sometimes. I have a person who's doing um, a proofreading, based proofreading for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I'm not very good. I don't think I'm very good with my marketing. I think um, sort of publishers, whether they they big traditional publishers or small indie publishers, they still have sort of their platforms where they can share more than I can do uh, on my own. So from this point of view, also, I can't draw, I can't do my own, for example, cover. Self-publishing requires lots of investments, <laughs> not only yeah. time investment, but money investment as well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure that I just can produce this uh, good quality book doing self-publishing. Yeah. I'm still not quite yeah. sure. And I'm, I'm not quite sure how to... Mm, that I will be successful to market it. Yeah, I think I think whatever way you're published, you'll still need to um, market a little bit yourself anyway, you know. But um, so uh, so are you also you're on Twitter, which is where where we discovered each other, and and like we've said many times before that the um, the Twitter place, although it's considered a slightly old fashioned platform, it's still a really good place for writers um, to connect with other writers. It, there's a really good writing community on there, and I've been on there for forever um so are you on other platforms as well are you on other social media well i'm only on uh also on facebook uh i have my uh author's page on facebook yeah. uh it's called valeria salt writes uh but uh, to be fair i you said about twitter being a bit old-fashioned i'd say vice versa facebook is even more old yes yeah. yes i think you're right yes i i've never got on with facebook um i'm on there yeah. but i don't i don't find i'm ever on there interacting I, i'm more yeah. um yeah. i'm more on tiktok these days i, I think that's mm. probably where most people will find me um yeah doing I'm doing something on, uh, yeah i'm also have my own uh, little blog it's only 
just like got three three hundred subscribers at the moment, something like that, something like that. On WordPress, you know, it's called WordPress uh, dot uh, WordPress dot salt and novels dot com. Yeah, but also the 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 blog thing. That's another thing people say that's really old fashioned. But I still blog. I I I still do it. I I I put a blog out every month, and um, I think it's I think it's quite nice. I think people can find a sample of your writing really quickly if they need to, especially if you write like I do. I write a few magazine articles, and it's easy for the editor to go in there and have a quick look and see that you can in fact string a few words together and, and that they make sense. You know. And and I think it's yeah I I quite like a blog yes I've I've still got my blog going. I so think what it, is I think the old fashioned way then? Is it so only... we're all yeah I think I think we're I think we I think I think doing a bit of everything is is good. I think if you can get on the social media a bit of blog, have your website, you know, lots of ways that you can get out there and um you know come on a podcast, do other other things, you know. And I think it's I think it's all good. I think as many times that you can get your your book cover and your writing persona out there is it's all good you know it's all got to help hasn't it yeah absolutely yeah and also I think I think a lot of writers I think we all feel a bit um we want to do the writing the creative bit but but the exactly. marketing yeah. ugh, isn't it yeah I'd, I'd much rather the write that marketing just went away you know but, yeah exactly uh, that's why again sort of, mm. uh, to have this additional support from uh publishers is good because if you can't you don't have time at the moment or you're yeah. well with writing editing and all uh at least they can post something as well yeah there. yeah and and do you find that they do that because i'm an independently published author myself and always have been so i haven't had the experience of although i did work with an agent for a while but i found that it was all too wasn't what I wanted um so do you find they do they do um get their platform out there and um I suppose they put you on their website and that kind of thing some of them do some of them don't it's really I, I'm not saying now about big five uh publishers like no no but there's lots of independent you know small pub- yeah. publishers yeah. I, yeah I never worked with them again I worked on the small presses. uh for example uh, this publisher I worked uh, before as I told you I, it, it wasn't very good and I, I don't want to call the names obviously but uh, they were only on Facebook, like close groups, you know, where they yeah. just posted basically generic um, new release, such and such, uh, new release, that's it. And I, when I asked them, can I just put, for example, my arcs um, on Book Funnel or uh, Book Book or something like that, you know, where can, people can download it for free and write reviews. They say, oh, no, no, you can't do that because no. people need to pay for it. I don't think I don't think it's the right thing to do. Alien Buddha, uh, yeah, they, they have very good presence, as I say, on Twitter. They have YouTube channel, not very big at the moment, but they have they have a, a site and a blog. Uh, they have uh, several Facebook pages and, um, uh, how to call it, uh, groups, yeah? yeah. Uh, I think they they also on TikTok. I might be wrong because I'm not... <laughs> Another I'll link thing. I'll link them into the TikTok if you're not on there. But TikTok's really worth it. Get on there and have a go because it's not as bad as you think. <laughs> no, I'm a bit, you know, I'm a bit shy like speaker. For example, uh Ellen would ask me to record opening of the boxes when Arthur cop- copies uh arrive, yeah. or for example, do some reading from the book. And I'm really I don't like the sound of my voice and I don't really like my accent. 
<laughs> oh, it's it's fine. It's fine. Just don't don't worry. I think we all hate how we sound. Absolutely. Yeah. When I started yeah. the podcast, um, which which is it's quite a new podcast, as you know. Um, but when I first started to do it and I recorded and I, and I heard myself back and I thought, oh, my God, I can't do this. I sound awful. But then other people said, no, you sound fine. You know, it's just a normal British accent. So what? And now I've kind of got over it and realised that's just my voice and I'm just another human being having a chat. So don't worry. <laughs> We're all different. So I wouldn't worry because to me, your voice sounds fine. So, you know, it's yeah, and the other thing always sounds good exactly so, so it's it's you I think you always sound weird to yourself because it's you don't hear yourself like other people hear you but the other thing with the TikTok thing is um you don't have to get on there and talk if that's not what you want to do you can just do visuals and that'll work just as well so don't think mm. you have to get in front of the camera and do you know when I, mean, I have two I think I was chatting about this to somebody the other day um, I have two two accounts, one as DJ Bowman Smith, which is probably, as you know me, but I'm also a children's writer where, I, where you find me as Tiger Molly. And on the Tiger Molly one, you never see me. You see my hands, you see the books, you see see me drawing, you see me doing art stuff, but I don't ever speak on there. And and, and the account works fine. So, you, mm. so you, you don't have to, you know, you can just do, do it in your own way, you know. And I was saying this to somebody else the other day. Um, you can do the social media and set your own parameters. So if you don't feel confident getting in front of the camera, you you really don't have to. You can still be on TikTok and it'll work fine. Yeah. Mm. Well, oh, it's, it's so so I'd recommend it because it is a good place to sell books. Yeah, yeah. Well, people going on now that it's a uh, Chinese spy program and Chinese oh, spy they're all sp- they're all spying on yeah. each other. But I wouldn't worry about it because I don't think they're interested in us, love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's just, just, yeah, we're just people living in Britain writing books. They're really not writing books. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what else? And as uh, for Orthodox, not Orthodox press, uh, they have very good presence uh, here in the north of England in respect of. They yeah, I've heard of them. Real, yeah, yeah, yeah real, uh, authors' events like in the libraries and universities. I currently uh, actually uh, not currently. Uh, uh, last, I think it was last month since in February. I uh, visited one of the events for the uh, book signing for another author in Sheffield Hallam University. Brilliant. Uh, they, now they want to do a big event in Leeds. Uh, I think it's now in mid June where they uh, want to bring together several of their authors already published. Do some maybe music, some reading. Uh, so they very uh, they also very active on Twitter, uh, Facebook. But as I said, apart from that, they doing really uh, live events, which I really like to meet people in person. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. I mean, that's why I do the podcast because I just really um basically fascinated to talk to all you different people, and, and of course, it gives me the chance to talk to people that write stuff that I don't write. You know, so I I, I try and find lots of different authors at different stages of their careers um just just to have attracted them because i just think it's fascinating stuff <laughs> you know i've never done any i've never done a podcast and come away and thought i've always thought oh my god that was amazing yeah so yeah so so you're living in england now and you obviously uh is it a russian accent i can hear uh, yeah correct yeah, yeah yeah so so you so you live you're living living here and uh, how do you find rainy britain <laughs> well, you know, it depends what to compare with because people are laughing at me. I'm very cold blooded. I'm constantly cold here. Yeah. You know, even now I'm sitting with a, um, I've got a heater. So oh, I've got a blanket around me. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you should be used to cold. No, first of all, I lived in Syria. I was born in Belarus and originally my family uh, from Belarus. Uh, then I was six. We moved to uh, Crimea, which is, was part of Ukraine. I was part of Russia. It's all very complicated uh, political, geopolitical things. But uh, Crimea has amazing, this amazing almost Mediterranean climate, mm. very similar to Turkey because it's just across the Black Sea from Turkey. It's hot. It's got palms, sun, sea, beaches. Uh, amazing. And I spent uh, more, well, all my childhood, basically, there. I went to school uh, and so on. Uh, so I, I used to very hot weather. In in summer, it's some, sometimes it can be so unbearable. It's barren, like in Spain, you know, plus 45 easily. And then uh, when I decided to go to university, there were no... Um, so not so many universities to choose from, not so many faculties which did what I wanted to do. So I went to uh, St. Petersburg, which mm-hmm. is the uh, second biggest city in Russia. Uh, mm-hmm. It's northwest. And actually the weather there, it's it's on the border with Finland. So, uh, but the weather pretty much like here, maybe slightly yes. cold. In yeah. Uh, so I spent 10 years there, I went to university, then started to work, and then I came here in 2013, well, 10 years ago. So I've been, you know, around... You've travelled, you're a, travel, you're a well-travelled woman, yeah. And I think, I think that helps with your writing as well, because I think you can uh, easily cook up, um, you know, you, you can imagine different places and things like that. The places in your books, are they, are they real places or are they half... You know, do, do you do you invent the places? I mean, I'm writing something at the moment and it they I'm writing a, a thing that's just set in England and but I've made it up, but you could you could see that it is, you know, an English village. But yeah. but how about you in in your things? Do you do you make the place up or do you do you research the place and use a real place? It really depends. For example, in Aurora Island, uh under and uh, she lives in London, uh Real place, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and, and then they traveled to uh, this uh, tiny, remote Icelandic island, Midgardu Island. It's fully fictional. It's set somewhere twenty-five to 20, 25 miles away from Akureyri. Akureyri is a real place, a real small town in the in the northwest, I think, of uh, northwest of Iceland. Uh, so the, the the island is fully fictional. This uh, Margajoku volcano, which erupts, is fully fictional. Uh, so it's just b- bits and pieces, yeah. In my novel, Dive Beyond Eternity, um, uh, main character, uh, Zara, she lives in uh, Winchester, but she travels, for example, to Boston, which is mm-hmm. here in UK, in Boston, uh, Lincolnshire, uh, real place. Uh, then they travel to Channel Islands, again, real place. So it really depends. Um, yes, and also sometimes I think you can blend the two. I think you can you can put real things in and then and then add in and actually think. Sometimes I think the reader doesn't really know which which is made up, which the author's made up, and which they've um, you know, which that you cooked up. So so that's what you're doing with the places. But what about the science in your science fiction? Um, do you do a lot of research for that? Is it is it based in reality or is it just do you just do you just cook it up and invent it all? I tried to do research. A bit of both, uh, a bit of both. Yeah, a bit of both again. Uh, I try to, to, as you say, to meet both, to marry both, so it wouldn't sound as bizarre and daft like in, oh, I don't know, Hollywood blockbusters. Well, most of them are <laughs> pretty daft. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to go really deeply into science to A, because 
for example, I'm not good in physics or mathematics, yeah, and I'm talking about these aurora particles, uh, sort of how aurora borealis can uh, sort of create this clean energy. So I just put minimal things in it, yeah. But I because I like I love history. Uh, for example, this uh, this super weapon which features in Aurora Island, um, which this, this sort of uh, colony that they created in this colony, a uh, super weapon called Nothong. Uh, it's based on a real sort of World War II story about Nazi scientist project, the Glocke, uh, the bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of, I don't know, you may hear about it because it's all over Discovery Channel, History Channel, lots of programs feel about it. Supposedly, it was the project which Nazi scientists worked on, uh, the, the bell-shaped uh, craft which can uh, which can take off vertically, and some uh, people believe that it can even change um, electric, uh, electrical and electromagnetic fields and disappear to another dimension. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it was um, it was Polish author and researcher who written a book about the Glocke project. So sort of, supposedly this craft was powered by substance called red red mercury, which was like a nuclear. Mm-hmm. And people who worked on the project, they uh, lots of them died because of nuclear poisoning. Um, uh, yeah, this uh, toxic um, sort of uh, substance influenced their health. Some of them sort of had this um, um, different kind of disease. So yeah, it's sort of bits and pieces of history, sci-fi fiction. Uh, some you know urban legends from World War Two times. Mm. I mean, I mean, everything. So yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think it's. I think. I think also. I think if you if you put your um, whatever whatever you're making up, and I make some tall tales up as well. Uh, I think if you if you hook some of it into reality, somehow it kind of it's more believable. The the, the I think the reader can suspend their disbelief and take it on board and. You know, just take your word for it. I think I think that's that's all about. But also, I think it's very important not to not to overwrite sciencey things or stuff where people could get bored with it. I think I think you've got to. Yeah. Same same with descriptions of places. Like sometimes you can tell yeah. if the author's really gone to a place and really really found out about it. But actually, I think well, actually, I don't really need to know the whole what exactly what the road looked like and the street lamps and. You know what I mean? Like it would be fine to yeah, say street London, it would work. Do you know what I mean? And I could yeah, be there. Yeah. You know? So, so I, I think you've got to. I think it's a real balancing act to find that thing between having making the reader believe what you've written, but also not boring them with too much description. Because what they really want to know is what's happening to the people. Always. So the characters, yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, characters, yeah, and yeah. their development. Unless you write in a really so-called hard sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Where it's really, really important to get it right, this all laws of physics or chemistry, or whatever you're writing about. Uh, then, yeah, but it's it's not my case, uh, really. So. Yeah. So, so are are your main characters usually women? No, not not, not necessarily. It just came out like that. That in Aurora Island, it's a woman who's looking for the truth about her family who killed her uh, father. She also has a brother. Uh, she didn't know about his existence and sort of uh, she finds him in the end of the book and all. Um, and in Dive Beyond Eternity, it's also a woman, uh, Zara Rose, who is a World War II uh, historian, 
and researcher, and she spe- specialized in um, uh, German naval tactics and U-boats of the Second World War. So again, lots of research went into this. <laughs> but um, a, there is sometimes thought, for example, like Die Beyond Eternity, she needs to be a woman uh, because, because of the plot, how plot goes. But, uh, for example, in my short stories, lots of um, male characters as well. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting to uh, write from lots of different points of view. Do, do you t- does it tend to be written um, in the first person, or do you write um, you know from different characters' points of view as you go along? You know, are, are you the omnipresent author? You know, telling the story, the narrator, or do you, do you write from the from the character's point of view? No, I prefer to write in the third person in the last stand from different uh, characters' point of view. So sometimes it's a villain, sometimes it's a main character, sometimes it's a side character. Again, it depends on the plot, what plot requires. Uh, I've written just one short story uh, from the first person present tense. Uh, it was sort of horror set in ancient Egypt uh, with all these ghosts and stuff. Mm. And to be fair, well, I like the story, but I didn't like the process, to be fair. So I just tried. I didn't like it. I switched back to the... You you kind of have a feel. And also, I think the, the story... Um, I'm actually the thing that I'm writing at the moment is actually written in the in the first person, and I've never written in the first person before. All my stuff is written in the third. Um, but for some reason, this particular character I felt would come out better with that. So I think as you go on, you'll find you know different books, you know, require Absolutely. different things. Yeah, yeah, it just it just is what it is. Um, so do you write full time now, Valeria? No, I don't. Unfortunately, you're trying to juggle it, juggle it with the job. How awful! How's that working out? <laughs> I, you know, it's better now because a few years ago, when I was working with my previous publisher, which was not successful, I told you about. Yeah, uh, I worked full time in Leeds, so I traveled every single day. It was pre-COVID, so we all needed to travel. I traveled to office uh, from Sheffield to Leeds by train every single day, <laughs> and still I. I, I just had some time during just weekends or bank holidays to write. Well, now I'm a bit more fortunate because I'm uh, uh, I'm working in Sheffield only part time, and I have more time obviously for my writing stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, now I've been I've been asking people this funny question recently because I used to do a, a blog thing years ago, and I used to ask people about their desk. What does your desk look like, Fleury? Is it is it tidy? Is it messy? Is it covered in notes? Or or are you one of these people that just doesn't have a space? You just carry a laptop around with you and just hunker down in a corner. What does your working space yeah. look like? <laughs> well, I, I was I was waiting for this question. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a really small desk, uh, but in a separate room, uh, small as you can see, a uh, small bedroom converted into my office. So I have the just a laptop on a special like um, uh, stand. stand. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit more ergonomic. Special chair, which is quite comfortable, uh, and the lamp. Uh, and connected keyboard and mouse and that's pretty much it. I got some drawers where I can put my pens, my uh, notepads, uh, and that's pretty much it. That's it. That's it. it. Looks quite tidy in there. Very quite spartan. Quite spartan, isn't it? Yeah, I've got stuff everywhere. Drawing boards behind me. There's a bed. There's a kind of pull you out bed for if we need an extra bed when people come to stay there. Well, I usually sleep in the office if somebody comes to stay because it's too personal. I find I'd rather give them my room and then I sleep in here, which is 
weird because especially with my mother-in-law says because she's I worry about her falling down the stairs there's a funny staircase where I live and so I put her in my room and then I sleep down here in the thing anyway it's all very complicated okay so Valeria that's been lovely to talk to you so um where can people buy your book uh book will be available on Amazon uh in a couple of days time for pre-order uh and from 18th of April it goes sort of live yes um it's uh, release day official release day and from my publisher, and the press. So yeah, yeah, brilliant. So we'll look forward to seeing to seeing that. So I'll leave the links in the show notes so that people can find you and uh, your website and all that kind of thing. So you could either jump to uh, Valeria's website, Valeria Salt, and um, find her uh, buy links. They'll be on there, and and a little bit more about her if you want to find um, her other other books that are coming out soon. So it's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for doing that. So fascinating to talk to Valeria about all the places that she's lived in and, you know, how she writes and mixes up the historical and the fantasy um, and the science fiction and things, which is great. And her book will be out on the 18th of April. So have a look for that on Amazon. And as usual, you can find links about Valeria in the show notes. So next week, we're going abroad again to um, Florida, in fact, to talk to Jason Donahue. I don't know whether that's how you pronounce his name, but I'm sure I'll find out. So do come back next Monday. The Words and Pictures podcast comes out every Monday, as you know, but you can also go and listen to back episodes as you like. So happy days. So this has been the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Berman-Smith. And until next time, bye-bye.